All right, I think most of the children have exited. Um, how about, uh, hello. Um, how about I'll pray and then, uh, and then we'll dive in. God, we are so thankful for this time as a church family. We are thankful for the opportunity to sit down with each other, eat with each other. We thank you for this food and everyone who provided it. Um, we thank you for your church and uh, the privilege of being a part of it. And um, God, we thank you for this time as we talk about what's going on in your church. And um, we talk about where we sense you leading us in this church. And I pray, especially on the heels of, of being... Uh, in the word this morning and hearing about unity that there would be um, that we would feel a deep sense of that unity and um, a deep sense of you calling us into um, even more fruit and influence in the city and this world so we pray for this time we thank you for it we pray this in Jesus name amen and uh, one more thank you to the Bowermans for cooking and the persons for all that they did to set this up and, uh, yeah. I'm so thankful. My, my wife's running a little bit late and just went, coming with three little kids that, that I just get to show up. <laughs> the, the tables are magically here and the food's magically made. So thank you. I know it's not all magic. Um, all right. So we have a lot to cover in this time. Um, the first thing that we want to do is go over, we introduce you to our uh, strategic plan. This is something that, the, uh, that many people have, have spoken into. Obviously, the elders have uh, been working through this a lot. Um, we have we've brought other people into the process. And I also want to give Mike Graham a lot of credit for the way that he has led us through this process and, and produced... And produce this document. So let me talk a little bit about what a strategic plan is. This is not an exhaustive list of everything that we do in the church. It's not an exhaustive list of everything that we are called to be as a church. A strategic plan are very specific values that we that we sense God really, uh, really putting on this church, and very, very clear ways that. That we, um, that we sense these values playing out uh, in this year, in you know, three years, and five years. And so as you, well, I'll walk through this piece of paper um, in a minute. But when we think about strategic goals, I mean, that, goals is a good word. These are, you know, there are other things that we feel like are going well. We want to keep the, the gas pedal down. Um, they don't meet, they generally don't pop up on something like this. They're going well. We want to keep them going well. These are goals. These are thing, areas that maybe we don't feel like we're, um, we're where God wants us to be. And, and so we're making goals. And so that starts with the vision. Now, uh, a vision in a church has usually about a 10-year lifespan. Usually, it, it, most churches every 10 years are reassessing. It's not... Um, we kind of think in terms of the, the, the mission of the church is given to us in the Bible. The vision is how that, that mission plays out here. And we have, um, we have had a, a mission for some time, uh, in engaging peoples everywhere to pursue ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. And so what the elders wanted to do isn't to change the vision in any way. We wanted to develop it. We wanted to make it, um, we wanted to put it together in a way that's, Easy to remember, easy to say, and maybe even an easy platform for an evangelistic conversation. You know, where do you go to church? If, if church comes up, tell me about Orlando Grace Church. Well, we exist to grow in Christ, bless our city, and send to the world. Now, I will say, we're, this, we're, we're still wordsmithing this part. This summer, uh, some, there's a little bit more to do before we as elders say this is final. But this is really close to where... Uh, really close to the final version on, uh, on the vision, we didn't want to hold up this whole process and delay getting the rest of it that is pretty concrete to you because we haven't finished wordsmithing. So that's where that is. Um, and we, we want to have a vision that, that we all feel like this describes this church, something that, that you would hear often on a Sunday morning, something that maybe might end up on our walls in our building somewhere to remind us that this is where God is calling us uh, to move, to go uh, as a church, as a body. So the vision is going to be 
very vague. I say very vague. It's going to, there's going to be a lot that needs to be developed. That's why you have values, goals, and tactics. So I'm going to try to really briefly walk through what that means. And, and I hope you're on the 2019 side, not the one, three, five, and year, uh, one, three, and five year gold side. So you can see these values that's going to hone in a little bit. We, we have values of blessing our city, equipping our people, contextualizing our mission, stewarding our resources, and sending our best. And so there's a little, uh, there's a little snippet under each value, kind of developing it, showing you where in Scripture it came from. But they should be pretty clear. We want to bless our city. We, we want to be... Um, our hope is that if Orlando Grace Church disappeared tomorrow, the city would feel it. They would notice our absence. And we want to equip our people to go out. We deeply believe the mission uh, happens through you. It isn't a, you know, make Sunday as attractive as possible, hoping that unbelievers just, just walk in. That, that, that age, I'm deeply convinced, is closing here. And so that we're back to the heavy lifting that Christians have had to do for a long time of developing real relationships and engaging their friends, their coworkers, their neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want everybody in this church to be equipped to that end. Contextualizing our mission, we want, um, we want the gospel to be very accessible. Now, here's what I don't want anybody to hear. We're not talking about watering down anything in, in this word contextualization. I've addressed it a lot. I've defined it. I've written on it. Uh, we want to make the gospel of Jesus Christ as accessible as possible in its purest form. Um, and so there are ways, as you'll see in a second, that we, we think we can continue to do that. We want to steward our resources. That doesn't require a lot of explanation, but we have a lot of resources, not just money. We have people. Um, we have an organization. We have a building. We want to steward all these resources. And then last, and this is something that OGC has done well for a very long time. We want to send our best. Uh, from the very beginning, when I started getting to know Orlando Grace Church, um, it was amazing to me for the size church that we are, the, the global footprint <laughs> that, that this church has. It really is, to me, pretty incredible the ways that this church has consistently uh, sent to the world. And so we want to continue to do that. So those are the values. Next, we have goals and tactics. And this is what I want to be really clear the goals are how we are going to accomplish the value, and then the tactics are the super measurable piece to the puzzle. And I want to be really clear. There are some things that we control and some things that are just out of our hands. So these are the things that we control, and especially in the form of the tactics. So here, here's the first one. Engage the communities near OGC more effectively. Well, we want to do that, and that's nice to say, but... How do we do this? How do we go about it? And these are they're very specific tactics that we are going to employ to get there. Um, you can see we, we want to execute a grace camp that, that people around here can come to. We want to identify uh, ways to engage the three to 5,000 new people moving into Maitland and all these buildings. And, and we have a list growing of ways that we could possibly uh, engage them. And then we want to study the way the SunRail is fundamentally changing this part of town. And how do we engage all the people using it? So, so those are very practical ways that we want to accomplish engaging communities near OGC more effectively for the rest of 2019. And so what we're going to have is every one of these tactics is going to have a person, a name next to it, um, that's responsible for, for doing this, name or names. And so our hope is that we would be held accountable as a church every family night from now going forward you'll see we're going to have a list of these tactics and we're going to have things in green that are complete we're going to have yellow that's ongoing and we're going to have red that's either unstarted or canceled for some reason and you're going to see the name of the person next to each of those items uh, and my hope certainly because i see how hard everyone in this church works is that everybody's going to be very encouraged that that, that the church can see what's going on uh, but we think it's important that we don't just say what we're going to do, but we're held accountable uh, for what we say we're going to do. And, and, and there might be good reasons for not accomplishing everything, but we think that it's uh, a prudent to put that out there and explain what we do um, and what we don't do, why we haven't done it. So we, um, we want to utilize the web and social media to engage the city. You can see very specifically how we're doing that. 
We want to engage the missing generations at OGC, the college age, the, um, the, the age range just older than me, kind of that Gen Xer range that tends to be not represented here as well. And so we have some very practical things to, to try and do. I've been trying to engage UCF. I've spoken at UCF. Um, uh, we, we've heard from a lot of the Gen Xers that, that developing you know, the youth would be something that could, um, that could address the situation. So, um, and then trying to figure out how maybe Angela and I could utilize our family life speaking uh, training experiences here in this local environment. That could overlap with engaging the kind of person that's probably going to fill these, these urban-like um, buildings that are popping up around the SunRail. A lot of these people are wanting to get married, cohabitating, newly married, so, so some of the, the marriage stuff could uh, be a way to engage them. All right, so I'm going to move a little faster now, and some of these things we're going to address as we continue this family night meeting, but uh, in, under, in equipping our people, we want to assess our current level of member buy-in. We are in the throes of a significant transition, so we want to track <laughs> how's everybody doing. We want to uh, know how um, our ministries are, um, how you think that they're going, and so we've had some surveys. There were, could be a few more going out to understand what you think about all um, aspects of ministries in this church in this transition. Uh, we want to develop a comprehensive plan for community groups. Community groups are, there's just, I can't say enough about the community group leaders. They've just done the deed with very little um, oversight and resourcing over the past couple years. Uh, but there are a few things that we need to figure out. We need to figure out what families with young kids do. Um, that there, there are currently families with young children that want to get into community groups and don't know how. Um, that my community group, for example, I bet we're 20, wait, everybody's there. Are we 25 kids? How many? 28. 28? 28 kids in my community group. We just can't, there's no more room in the Walton house. <laughs> but 29 as of today, right? That's right. We're going to get to 30. We'll accept a family with one child. Um, but, uh, but we're just, it, it's, and, and some community groups just aren't set up to have children in the, in the house. So we're, we're actively trying to address that. A number of community groups are just full. So our hope is to develop a plan where we could create more options. Um, and I hope by L Labor Day, that's kind of my goal, that we sometime right after Labor Day that we could have a community group kickoff where everybody that wants to plug into a community group is able to do that. So to do that, we're going to have to identify more leaders, more hosts, but um, that's a lot of what we're going to work towards this summer. Uh, but you can see uh, you can see the tactics that we're going to employ to try and get there. We want to improve our assimilation. This has been something we've already done a lot on. So when we think assimilation, think someone's first visit, this process of someone's first visit to them becoming a plugged-in member. We want that to be a to be a, a clear process. We want it to not be confusing. We don't want it to not be redundant. So there are, you can see the list of things that we've been doing to all the way from you know, making it clear where, where a new family goes to check their kids in to um, we now have a process in the Discover OGC class to make sure every person making it through the class is plugged in and introduced to a ministry and a ministry leader to serve in this church. Uh, my hope is to add community groups to that process, but for reasons I've already stated, we have not done that yet. So we want to really work on the assimilation process. We want to invest in music. You're going to hear more about that. We want to take the next steps regarding affiliation that we have been talking about for 15 years, if I'm, if I'm right. I mean, I think this goes back to the very beginning of, uh, of Kurt's plan, his, his Nehemiah. Was it the Nehemiah plan? Um, so Operation Nehemiah. Thank you. Um, and so this precedes me. This is something that the elders are, are working very hard on. We're, we had we, we developed a whole list of options for affiliation and networks and denominations, and we have just been narrowing it down, talking to people, doing research. And as I said this morning, uh, there's a conference that we'll go to this summer here to, to do all the due diligence um, that we can. Um, we want to develop a consistent yet fresh liturgy that communicates the story of the gospel. I'll be talking more about that in a little bit. 
but that's under contextualizing our mission. We want to, um, in the realm of stewarding our resources, we want to create clear lanes of responsibility for staff. We want our staff to understand uh, what we're to do, and, and you know, I want the staff to be able to run and, and do know what they're supposed to do and be set up so they don't have to constantly say, is it okay if I do this, is it okay if I do this? And the elders' desire, really, is not just mine. The elders have said we want staff to have freedom to be able to do to know their lane and, and run in their lane. So you can see um, the things that are going to facilitate that. We want to create a scalable organizational plan. This is, um, yeah, we're, we're growing, and we didn't. Um, we need to grow. We need to be able to grow well. I, I, I think I said this to a number of you, but at Grace Bible Church, where I come from. There was a Sunday where we we had 128 people who couldn't fit in the building. You know, we were we you know we we acted humble, but inside it was all you know rah rah yay we're awesome. And uh, you know, a couple years later, uh, this this super cool church video streamed their pastor in from another another uh, city, and hundreds of people left. <laughs> and so you know, really, what did that say about that growth? You know, we were a mile wide and an inch deep. We if we're going to grow, we want to grow well. And uh, so right, you know, we've probably a year ago, we were averaging about 150 to 180 on a Sunday. Right now, we're super consistent between 270 and 300. Um, we've had as many as 375 on a Sunday. And we, we have probably 450 people consistently coming to Orlando Grace Church right, with, with new families pretty much every week. So we need to be able to have a plan to care for people and to grow well. Because the growing well is what is going to allow us to equip our people to send them out to be able to engage and uh, and go out to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. So we need to have things need to be scalable. The Discover OGC class would be an example. You can see other examples of things that we need um, where we see that we're hitting certain um, thresholds and and what we can do. Uh, Next one, purchase the out parcel. That was the first. Um, that was the first threshold that we we hit. We realized that with our driving habits, we can only fit um, about 300 to 350 people in this building before the parking lot's full. But you're going to hear more about that coming up. There's some basic improvements to facilities and grounds, and then to fund what we want, what we really sense God leading us to do. We need to grow by about 10% in our giving. And we are on track to do that. Um, lastly, sending our best. We want to remain globally committed. That really is the only thing, the only gap, the only thing. There's so many things that we want to keep the gas down on. They're going well. Uh, that was the one that we really wanted to put in here because it was such a piece of the, the, the core DNA of who OGC has been for a long time. So we, this is how we want to remain globally committed. We want to begin due diligence on local church planting. This is one of those things. It, it will never happen unless we, we make it happen. And, and we know that we're not ready to plant a church by a long shot right now, but there are some steps that we can take to be able to prepare uh, so that we will be ready one day. Because if we, if we stay on the no plan plan, I mean, wait, let me say that. That's, that's, that's where I am. I have been on the no plan plan. Um, but nothing happens. So I need to really be engaged and be thinking about what the next steps are. Uh, and so the, the elders have come up with two very basic next steps. Um, continue to develop the intern program. That's pretty clear. And then grow in our partnership with RTS. RTS um, has engaged us. And something unique about RTS Orlando, it's the only RTS campus of the nine, I think there are now, uh, that does not have a host church. Every other campus has a, a church that has said, come, you can start here, and we'll, excuse me, we'll host you. Orlando does not have that. They have no, no church hosting and funding them. So they have engaged probably about eight churches, and they've said, we're, you're, you're our team here. And, and we were the only non-Presbyterian church represented. And, but they said, you're, you're our people, and, and we, want to be, we want to be owned by you and hosted by you. And so after some, some discussion and prayer, we felt like, well, we started on the RTS campus. We have stu students coming through. We, we sent the Allens off this morning. Um, so it seemed like that needs to be a part of our strategic plan. 
And so you can see the, the action items that we have there to develop that plan. Okay, so hopefully, I, I know this is a whirlwind, you're drinking out of the proverbial fire hydrant right now, but I, I just wanna set this up so that when you go home and you read it, that it makes sense what it is. I know you're gonna need some more time with it. Uh, but on the other side, you can see that that's all, let me say, this is all 2019. And in an ideal year, this is coming out in the beginning of 2019, not halfway through 2019. But with me just being, you know, five or six months into my pastorate here, we felt like it was, uh, it was a lot better idea to kind of do this after me having been here for about a year. So um, many of those things have already happened this year. All right, so going, moving on to the, you see, 2019 goals reiterated, and then we can expand out to three-year goals and five-year goals. I'm going to let you read them on your own. They don't have associated tactics yet. These are just goals, um, but you know, Mike has even worked into this. You can see uh, if we are to execute all of these goals, you can see how the, you know, what the budget would be, what are we required to um, to hit these goals, and the three-year goals are, would cost somewhere between seven hundred and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the five-year goals would be somewhere between nine hundred thousand and a million dollars. Uh, that may not be what God has, but we are trusting Him for that. We're going to move that way, and and certainly, if if we sense God telling us to shift here and there, we will shift. But um, but it makes a lot of sense to us to pray, to dream, to hope, and to live expectantly. All right, I know that was a lot. I want us to, uh, all of the elders want to be very available to you. If you have any questions about this process, about any single thing on here, we want to, um, we want to dive in wherever you want to dive in. Uh, we're, we're, we have been greatly um, assisted by many people who are not elders in, in really sensing where it is that God's leading, um, we've appreciated things, you know, praise, criticism, critiques, rebukes in this process, and we would welcome, we, we want those to continue. So just because this is being printed does not mean the door is closed <laughs> for these kinds of conversations. If anything, this is opening those doors even more. All right, we said 6.05. Anything you want me to add to this process? Again, Mike Graham really did the heavy lifting on this process, so... I get the, the fun part to, to show you the good-looking piece of paper, but he, he spent so many hours with people and on the computer working on this and leading us as an elder board through a process. Um, all right. Well, next on our agenda is the music discussion. We, um, we met with the music team on Wednesday, and we're meeting with you now to let you know that we have hired Matt Kenyon as our new music director. <laughs> and I want to tell you a little bit about the process, um, but I couldn't be more excited to have Matt on, on staff. He brings so many skills, obviously, in the music arena, but, but really many skills outside of that. So it, it's thrilling to think about adding, adding Matt to this team. Um, so the process. We are hiring a music director, as we said, not a music, it's not a music pastor. He, he's not an elder. This isn't you know, something that would require a congregational vote. Um, and, uh, and so we, we started this process obviously some months back. Mike and I have talked to uh, at least a dozen people in six different states. Is that what we, and from the beginning, Matt was obviously a candidate. He, we saw that he could do the job, uh, but we, we, we didn't want to just not look because we had somebody in our midst. But continually, as we would talk to people, we just, all of the elders just kept, every JLT, or every elder meeting, we just kept coming back to Matt. Um, so at our last elder meeting, we, uh, we decided we feel like it's Matt. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we felt like the finances were there. Um, that, that was an issue if you've been following the budget. The, the budgeted numbers that you see every week is, is budgeted to have that music hire in. So the, the closer we get in giving in budgeted needs, that, that's factoring in this position. Um, so we, we decided, the elders meeting, we talked, we, we met with both of you, and we, we coordinated a lot of the details 
and it became official um, last week, early last week. So the timeline is uh, July 1st. He's going to start. He's notified his job. Uh, the wheels are in motion. He's already doing, he's kind of working a job and a half right now. We've not required this, but he's excited and he's already working on a few projects that he wants to um, get a jump start on before July 1st. His job, well, obviously the bulk of it will be overseeing the music team, the AV team, um, a lot of what goes into, um, into what you see in terms of music, sound, audio, video on a Sunday morning. And then we've been talking about this plus one, this, this extra thing. And it's really just become clear to us in this process. He, he has like a plus 10. He could, there's a lot of things that Matt can do in creative arts, testimony videos, community groups, whatever. He, he can jump into a lot of different things. We brought him into the strategic planning process um, because we wanted to see what he was like in a strategic planning process. And it was really fun to, to see him think creatively, brainstorm, but then give, bring that brainstorming to concrete ideas. So there is plenty of work to do in the plus one area for him. We'll have more for him to do than he could possibly do in one full-time job. So um, I'm excited. We're all excited to have you on staff here. And if you have any questions about this process, by all means, uh, come to – you can talk to me, talk to Mike, talk to any of the elders. We would, would love to talk, but we are excited, um, really excited. This is how God has seen fit to answer these prayers. Did you want to add anything? All right. Um, Mike, I'm going to hand it over to you for the land update. All right. Uh, this will be pretty brief, um, but I just wanted to hit you with uh, a few bullet points on um, what's new with respect to the land, give you a, um, a thorough up-to-date um, accounting of that. We closed on the land on April 18th. <laughs> We're celebrating, yes. Um, uh, huge thanks to uh, three guys in particular who really worked hard on that. Um, Matt West, who uh, set up the new 501c3, and Kirk Richard and Chuck Mitchell, who all worked really hard to, uh, to make that happen. So uh, normally those things would, would take a long time, and so we, we had a, a real short timeline to do all that. So just wanted to um, thank those guys. Um, we've had about a dozen of our households um, give to the new land. And as of Monday, um, those gifts totaled $38,443, which is awesome. Um, this has allowed us to cover all of our closing costs and pretty much all our carrying costs for 2019. And so our aim is um, to at least raise the carrying costs that we have from right now all the way until we plan on selling our office building down the street and that will probably get listed in May of 2022, and I'm sure it'll take a, a number of months to get that sold. So maybe it sells in late 2022. So we want to make sure that we at least raise our carrying costs um, from now until that time. And so in order for us to raise those carrying costs, we're about halfway there of where we need to be to cover those carrying costs between um, now and the end of 2022. So... Um, Thank you so much for all the households that have given. And for those of you um, who are still evaluating whether you're gonna um, be able to do that above and beyond your normal um, gifts and offerings, um, obviously we just encourage you to consider the, the value of that and um, ask the Lord to see if you have any um, funds that you might be able to do in, to participate in that. So that's everything pertaining to the land update. Um, Obviously, Amanda Walton would have loved to have been here to give you this uh, uh, kids ministry update. And obviously, Christina Tishy would love to do that, but she's looking after all your wonderful children. Um, so I'm just going to give you a super brief um, uh, kids update. We have the um, Grace Kids Camp um, that is coming up. And I'm looking um, here on my computer. I'm trying to get the dates. That is July 15th to July 19th. We're doing that in the evening, I believe, from 530 to 8 p.m., It'll be dinner every night. Um, our aim is for this to be not just a ministry for the households that are in our church, but really want to cast a vision for um, having this be um, one of many touch points that we would have with the city and with our community. Um, you know, you never know um, what God does through these things in the life of kids. I mean, I can look back in my own life and um, think about things that I learned in VBS as a kid 
And God uses these things uh, to draw um, little hearts to himself. And so we pray that, um, that God would do that. And so um, just want to promote that. Um, Amanda is officially on maternity leave. She started that on May 15th, and that will go through July 15th. And Christina Tissue, our Associate um, Children's Ministry Director, is assuming all of Amanda's responsibilities during that time. Um, and that's kind of the salient update from uh, Children's Ministry. If anyone has any questions pertaining to Children's Ministry during that time, um, you can obviously talk to Christina Tissue, and um, obviously um, talk to any of us um, as well. And that's it. Um, and now uh, Jim is alluded to this um, in when he was talking about the 2019 goals, he's going to um, share a little bit about um, some changes to our order of service. Well, I'm going to say one more thing about Grace Camp, and then I'll, I'll do that. Um, it, please, you know, we, it's, this, we need everybody who can to go ahead and register and block out that time, come help, serve our children. It really is, I, th- I think it will be a, a neat opportunity for us to spend time together, to get to know each other, to love on these children. I'm really excited about it. I've got my kids kind of thinking through their school friends that they could invite. Um, and so really, if you could pray about who, who you might invite, or maybe if, if you could be freed up during that time to help serve. I know there, there's lots of needs for, for people to pitch in, but uh, registration is live. So register, invite, and, uh, and I, it, it very well could fill up. We do have a max. So yes. July 15th July 15th through 19th. to 19th. It's, uh, there is registration on our homepage under the event section. It's a relatively small link, but it's there. All right. So if you, you may remember from um, our value of contextualizing our mission. You know, I, I've, there have been some things that I have wanted to do to our order of service. I've wanted our... You want, we want our liturgy to communicate the narrative of the gospel. You know, we, we want to walk through the gospel. Um, usually, I think when people hear liturgy, they hear it, they can hear clunky, you know, just like you know, stop and go. And, um, and so what, what my hope would be was to have a very clear, clear and consistent liturgy that is always fresh and that, is, that doesn't become rote. And so uh, Matt Kenyon and I have, have worked on uh, what this might look like. Um, and so um, the way I'm thinking about it uh, is that we would have the consistent liturgical part. So it would be um, probably something like a call to worship. These would be the elements, praise, confession, assurance. Uh, we'd read scripture. The gospel would obviously be preached. There would be time of response, thanksgiving, offering, Um, Those would be categories that would never change. So how those categories play out, that could change. You know, maybe maybe there's a a, the call um, to worship. During the call to worship, there's a prayer of invocation, asking the Holy Spirit to bless our time, and the praise is two praise songs. And and so that's two songs. But you'll see in the liturgy, like these are praise songs, and it kind of let us know what we're doing, where we are in our worship. And I could imagine um, the confession. Matt has a you know, maybe in between the songs, he has a prayer where we confess our sin. Maybe a time where silently we confess our sin. And then he says, um, let's now sing our assurance of our salvation in, in Christ alone. And, and in Christ alone is the assurance. It could be that the song is a confession. Uh, like, Lord, I need you this morning, I think would fit nicely in the confession uh, part. And then the assurance comes from the catechism. You know, so there would be, there would be, consistency but we would it would hopefully be fresh but let me let me say this it's not changing so much that everybody every week's like i don't i don't know what i'm doing do i, do I sing what am i doing it would be we, we would walk everybody into it slowly we have about five services i think kind of mapped out what this could look like i don't think it would be very jolting but there would be some very noticeable changes and i want to i want to outline some of the implications of moving to this format the first is the offering would be at the end of the service. It, it, offering is a part of the response. It's a part of the thanksgiving. So we would move that to the end. And this is how I imagine it going at this point. I would finish the sermon. Um, I would pray. And then I would tell everybody we're moving into a time of response where, where you can consider <clears throat> excuse me, 
how it is that God's moving in your heart to respond to this service this morning. It could be something individual, something you heard in the sermon um, that, that you want to just talk to God about. Uh, it could be in the form of offerings. You, you could, this would be a time you could prepare that as well. But Matt or somebody would play instrumentally the song that we're going to ultimately sing. And then as we move out of that silent response or silent thanksgiving, we would stand up and sing. And during that last song, the offering plates will go around. So that, that's how I imagine that happening right now. Um, an implication of that is there is not a there's not now a weekly spot for special music. That that would go away. Now it doesn't mean that we can't do special music. It just it means that it would be special. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I but you know that it, it feels um, special music sometimes when you when it when it basically is a as a I don't want anything to ever feel like a filler. We just have to fill this offering time. We, 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 we have special music. We want it to be special. We want it to be meaningful. We want to put it in the, lit, lit, the liturgy. So that's an implication. Um, the scripture reading, I will be moving back, actually back to where it has been, I think, for most of the history of this church, to right there next to the sermon. So scripture reading, and we'll move right into the sermon. Um, so that's just not a big change for everybody. Thank you. Yes. And then the on-mission moments, the, the way I'm picturing it right now, I want to continue to do on-mission moments. I think they've been great. I love um, – when I first heard about them, I just thought, hmm, never, never seen anything, never done anything like that before. And the more I did them, I just I began to see them as gold. I think they're really neat. We want to continue to do them. Um, I don't know that they perfectly fit in the liturgy, so I could imagine starting out with an on-mission moment before the, the call to worship. Um, and, and practically, I like that because right now we're moving the podium and chairs, and we could just start out with everything in, um, in position. Now, if you want to make this less awkward, come and be in your seat when the service starts. <laughs> so there you go. I've said it. Um, so those would be – those would be changes you would notice. But, um, but I'm excited about the idea of having every week, you know, thinking about the songs and, and how they fit into a gospel narrative. Um, I, I'm excited about that. Matt's excited about it. And so the hope is that we would begin this new liturgy July 14th. So Matt's already working on it. Give him a couple weeks and then implement on July 14th. Um, we are doing really well on time. So... Do, does anybody have any questions about the liturgical changes that we're talking about? Ross? Could you flesh out the terminology of making it uh, the presentation, the liturgy, fresh? Yeah, so that the, the way I envision it. I feel like a lot of the evangelical world feels like we need to choose between liturgical and smooth. <laughs> does that, does that, does that, there's a lot of people that feel like they're in opposition to each other, and I don't think that they're in opposition to each other. Um, I think the, uh, so there, the consistency part is clear, but the fresh is the way that each week that element would be played out, would be fresh and different um, whether we're, um, you know, whether we're doing an element through song, whether it's uh, a prayer, whether it's a, a catechism or creed, we, we would have that would change week to week in, in, in small but noticeable ways to where it does. Hopefully it doesn't. It's not rote. The, 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 again, consistent liturgy, we're always going through the same elements, but the way that plays out, um, there's room for creativity and um, Freshness. I don't know. Am I answering your question well? I think so. Yeah. Are the elements consistent from week to week? As far as the elements are always consistent. So they're always there, but the, the order in which they're brought. That's going to be consistent too, okay. because it's a it's a gospel narrative. Okay. But Maybe themes would be a better word. Because elements might themes. Be, yeah, themes like assurance. Oh yeah. So the themes of that's that's a good way to say it of assurance and confession. Um, thanksgiving, response, those themes will always be consistent in the liturgy. Uh, and 
but the way that we implement those themes could, would change. So there's still familiarity with the entire worship. Yeah, there would be. I, I'm, I'm thinking there would be lots of familiarity. I mean, and I, I'm not. I'm not going to change. I don't want to create like just. I, you know, I, I don't want to throw anybody off. But, um, but yes, I mean, you, you would. I, I think you would see the change in in a non-jolting kind of way. And, and I'm assuming that once. Well, let me. I'm assuming that when once we implement this, there are going to be weeks that Matt and I just say that did not work. <laughs> we we missed it there. There are going to be those of you here who say, "Have you considered this?" And we'll say, "No, that's a great idea." And so we're going. I mean, we're going to be developing this um, as we go, and would would as with everything, value your input and critique. Ted, are we going to make it clear when to excuse the children? Oh, where's Andy Huffman? (laughs) How old do you have to be to go to Grace? I I thought you nailed that today, Ted. Andy left me hanging. (laughs) You're too old for Grace Kids, Ted. Yes, Carrie. It seems like you said people would be singing during the passing the basket for offertory. That seems awkward. So this is what we did at Grace Bible Church, and it worked really well. Um, in, in many ways, it was a little less awkward because everybody's do. I mean, you're. You know, I know nobody looks at who's putting something in the offering bucket, but I do know some of you online givers. You, you let it pass and you know, want people to know you're an online giver. There's a reason it's passing. But when you're, when you're responding, there's actually, I think in many ways, it's less awkward because the attention isn't on what's going on in that, in that offering, um, what do we call it? Tray. Bucket, tray, tray. It's not a bucket. Um, so I, I would say it, it, would, it, would be, it would be changed. So I think it would be different for us. But as a whole, I, I actually think it feels um, less awkward. Yes? So you seem to have trouble getting into the church when it's supposed to be starting. Is there any like short-term plan to help those that are in the lobby to know it's time to go in and sit down? Good question. Is there, is there any way, a short-term plan to help people in the lobby uh, know that the service has started. Yes, we, you may have noticed there are two TVs now mounted in the lobby. Um, they serve multiple purposes. We really do want our, uh, you know, our greeters and, people and the service team to be able to see what's going on and, and participate even if they're serving out there. Um, uh, but it also serves the purpose of letting everybody know that the, the service has started and, and they're going to hear somebody saying it's time and you know, that voice will be in the lobby and so hopefully that voice will be louder than every other everybody else's voice so you can't continue to talk anymore but uh, but yeah i think practically we're working hard to get that um going and implemented we're just ch- we got a couple gremlins in the system that we're trying to to get out before we can uh we can execute on i, I think it's I th- coming i also think what tends to happen um as a room fills and people begin to see they, they have trouble getting the seat that they want, that has a way of getting people in a room as well. So. Will the countdown clock be on the new TVs in the lobby? Ideally, yes. In the short run, probably not. There, I, there's just, I, I wouldn't want to bore you with the details, and believe me, the details are very boring, but we're, we're, we're working on that. Um, but it, it'll probably be a couple months before we get the technology. We'd have to pull wires throughout the, the whole building. and it's Yeah. Other questions? Yes? Is there any thought to how we utilize this facility more? You mentioned some overcrowded community groups. Is that... That, that is, there are ideas being thrown out. And I, I don't mind, I mean, so... Could community groups meet here? Uh, is could there be a midweek something? You know, with children, if we already have a lot of children, children something. I, we have there are lots of ideas being thrown out there in this facility. This facility obviously only benefits someone, uh, especially during you know on a weeknight in I don't I don't a five mile. I guess it's a ten mile radius if it's five miles on our side, but um, 
I, I think about it, about a five mile drive is the most that people could really take advantage of it. Um, some of you in South Orlando and East Orlando, obviously, doing something here wouldn't be as helpful, but yes, that, that idea has been thrown out. Probably it wouldn't happen this fall, just with everything going on. It, it, it would, I don't know that we would be able to launch something else and do it well, but um, there, there are a lot of people who have been thinking to that end. All right. Well, um, again, if you have any questions about anything else that we've covered, feel free to talk to us. I'm going to now hand it back over to Mike, and we're going to talk some numbers. Um, some of you guys really like this part. Some of you hate it. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I do have uh, slides for everything here, so you can just kind of direct your attention that way um, instead of me and my face. Um, <laughs> So um, our average attendance has been um, growing, you know, from 2018 um, onward. These are just 2019 numbers in terms of um, just the total average of you know, who's in the building on a Sunday morning. Um, so obviously you can see the, you know, growth. Um, uh, yes, Cindy. Mike, when are you counting adults and children? This is everybody who's in the building. And maybe a couple cats. No, it's just, it's just people in the building. That, that. The uh, average children's attendance, in terms of itemizing that, for your sake, Cindy, um, the breakdown there, um, we're averaging 44 in January and 54 now, um, which is about the same kind of growth that you're seeing, you know, on the whole. Is, it only makes sense that those things would be um, uh, relatively similar. Our growth in attendance... Um, of versus the same time last year. So the first four months of 2018, putting that side by side with the first four months of 2019, we've seen a growth in attendance of 42%. And then over that same time frame, our giving has grown 13%. Our membership has increased 14% um, um, relative to where our membership was on uh, at the very end of the year in 2018. Our total giving through April was um, just over $169,000. Um, our budget needs were uh, $180,000 um, over that time frame. Our total operating expenses um, over that first four month time frame was $146,000. Our average monthly giving uh, in January was a little over $8,000. February was a little over $9,500 in March and April, a little over 11,000. So thank you everyone for you know, your um, uh, consistency in, in giving. Um, it really helps us do everything that we're trying to do. Yeah, Rick. That's a per week average in that month, correct? Yes, per week average for the month. So that includes like, yeah, so you, know, you had a one five week month there and usually five week months average a little bit less than four week months um, for obvious reasons. Um, it's yeah, not so like, that is really that, that makes sense. He, that's a weekly average giving there. It says monthly giving average. Yeah, sorry, that's my okay. fault. I would edit it in real time, but I'm talking. Um, our uh, our net revenue through April was um, just under fifteen thousand. Um, so that's basically our total total income minus total expenses. Um, I don't. I'm not sure what the right word is. I know revenue is kind of an accounting speak, but I don't know what the right... Income. Not income. There you go. <laughs> Who said that? Okay. Um, that's it for um, all of the numbers. Does anybody have any questions about our, our budget? Yes. I'm just curious on the children number, what those age ranges are. So that's the... the 44 and 54, you know, 44 in January and 54 now, that's the sum total of people who are outside of, this, outside of the auditorium. So on a given Sunday, probably 11 to 13 of those 44 or 54 are going to be volunteers who are adults or like hall monitors or teachers or something, something of that sort. So, you know, the total actual kid population there is probably between... Uh, call it low 30s to low 40s. That does include Grace Kids. Yes. So that's everybody who's out of the outside of the service. Yeah, it, it's you know it's it's tricky to count folks 
and you know because it's like there's a lot of movement in inside and outside the service even during sermon so it's not always super exact but we try to get as close as what we can while also not being <laughs> you know super numbers focused because it really isn't about it's not about those things but we do those things because we want to be accountable and um if you want to um well you track the things that you want to do well that is um okay rex we got a question Are you talking about members or members and attenders? Okay, so members I can go exact. Um, members and attenders I can, I'll have to ballpark it. Um, members, we have uh, like 112 family units. And then uh, attenders is probably in, the, probably in the 140s, somewhere in there, maybe 150s. Um, I can pull it in the database if you email me to task me to that end. Any other questions? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I noticed the attendance is up 42%, but the revenue is only up, or the giving is only up 13%. That's a great question, Tom. <laughs> so, I, you're helping me with my talking points. Um, yeah, so, you know, in church, you know, it takes it takes different people, you know, different periods of time to just kind of like get to know like is this is this my church family? You know, is this where I want to be? Is this where I want to be invested? Is this where I want to belong? And so we we've always tried to give people enough freedom to explore that at their own rate and at their own pace. You know, some people are kind of dive right in folks and are ready to you know, to become members and to become financially invested and um, to, you know, find an area of service and, you know, and, and dive deep. And other people just take, you know, it just takes longer period of time for them to, you know, kind of do those things. Plus, the other thing that we have going on is because we, we really do value membership, you know, that is a, that's a hurdle that people have to jump through, you know, in order to, you know, you know, be a part of a church family. And so those things just take time, you know. Um, it takes time to, to go through a new membership class. It takes time to be interviewed, to be installed, to do all, all those kinds of things. So I'm not sure what the precise, like, lag time is from, you know, when somebody goes from being a first-time visitor to being, you know, a fully invested new member. My guess is the average there is probably in the 6 to 12-month range. And so I think that's, I think you can probably expect to see still some more growth in our, um, in our general fund giving over time. And I think that's where, you know, if you look at like the January numbers versus like, you know, where the average weekly was about 8,000 or it's about 11,000 right now. I think a lot of that I would attribute to, you know, new members who are, you know, getting plugged in and those different kinds of things. But I can't tell you specifically because we, you know, we do kind of keep that firewall between um, what people give and um, our staff. So I, I, I can't say specifically. Yeah, Andy. Well, I mean, I was just pointing out too, like on the numbers, 14%, I guess, growth in membership, 13% growth in giving. So that's tracking, I mean, pretty close. You know, that's not that's that a great point. disparity. Mike, those are numbers, and those numbers include family units. So you're looking at there may be a family of five, you're not going right. to have that correlated really in increase. In That's a game. really good point. Justin Keller. Justin. I think with what you were just saying, Mike, with uh, trying to understand how long it takes somebody to then begin to feel comfortable here and, and make that transition into membership, I think this that ties into some of the things that you were talking about with these goals yeah. as well, with having a, a better thought through that's a hundred percent true we want to be people who like we, we want you guys to think about you know us organizationally as people who actually you know who are working a plan and and who, who have follow-through on those things did you see the other hand was there any other questions this is it.
Last chance. Yes, Lon. Do you feel like you're keeping up with the growth? It, me personally, or just all? As a church leadership body. I, I really do. I mean, it's um, certainly balls get dropped, but you know the. We, the, probably the most important thing that we have read in the past year was an article by Tim Keller talking, th- walking through uh, different stages of church growth. And he walked through a church of, you know, basically a home church. And then I think the next level was like 50 to 150 and then 150 to 300, 300 to 500 and so on. And he, he identified pain points at each transition and the things that you need to do to be able to pass the next threshold because there are these thresholds that churches just do not tend to pass. And there's some very identifiable reasons why. Um, on the pastoral side, he, he said, you know, if you walk with a church from, say, 50 to 600 members, you have pastored them through more change than if you had changed denominations. It's just there's so much change. And really, at the end of the day, change, it, it hurts because it's loss. And, and that's what pastoring is, pointing us all to Jesus in our loss. Because when you, when you grow, you gain things and you lose things. And, and, and I recognize that we're in the middle of losing a Sunday morning experience where we see all the people that we have known for a very long time. And we have new people to interact with. And there's loss. It's good. I think everybody agrees that's a good thing. But it, there's loss there. Um, but when I look organizationally at um, what... Tim Keller says needs to be done as you approach these thresholds. I'm very encouraged at, at what's what's happening in terms of staff additions and and some some you know we're we're at the, the deacons are swamped and we're but we've been working organizationally to figure out how we can um, be efficient, add more deacons. Um, so I I think there's work to be done, but I'm personally very encouraged that we're tracking with that growth and that. As far as I can tell, we're doing everything within our control to grow well. That's a rose-colored way to put it. Um, I, I, you know, if, if I'm 100% honest. That's why we're a good team. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm blunt. Um, I think some days are better than others, you know. I think some days, you know. I, I think we, we've been getting just out ahead enough on the most important things. But there's a reason why we have a strategic plan for 2019, and there's a reason why a lot of those things aren't yet checked off. It's because there's just work to be done to deal with like the church that we have today. And so we, we do what we can to forecast kind of what's, what's coming down the pike, and we try to stay just enough out ahead of it um, to uh, to love people and, and pastor people well through the ministry of organization. So I think there's some days where I'm like, yeah, okay, we're doing good here. And then there's like other areas where I'm just like, oh, like I really wish I had, you know, an, a couple extra hours in a day to give some more leadership attention to blank. So that's my really honest thing. I mean, that's why we have a strategic plan and that's why we're, you know, trying to. You know, the days are evil, and we're trying to maximize our efficiency and our utility. All right, we have two more. Um, what would be, like, one main prayer for the church for this year? Main prayer for the church this year. I got one. Okay. I mean, so thinking about our vision, right, you know, um, it's, what, in front of you guys. Um, it, <laughs> We just want to be effective in our, our mission, vision, and values. And I think, as I think about our, our city, you know, Orlando is in a worse place spiritually than either Manhattan or Seattle or Portland. We're less evangelical than any of those cities. Um, and our, our city is de-churching faster than any of those other contexts. At one point in our... So... Of, of the total population of Orlando, 94% of the people in Orlando were at one point churched at some point in their lifetime. Not necessarily today or yesterday. You all right? Oh, we're just, 
we're, we'll do this the old-fashioned way. Um, so, Devil doesn't like you talking about No, <laughs> So today, today our city is 49% churched, okay? So almost half the people that were at one point churched are no longer that. Of the 49% who are churched, um, only 30% of those are in Christian traditions. Of the 30%, only 18% of that are Protestant. Of the 18% who are Protestant, only 6% would like subscribe to like theology that we would, you know, we consider bare minimum evangelical. So that's kind of the that's kind of the lay of the land of our, of our city. And, and I don't know if if we as a church body are either aware of like the dire the direness of the situation of our context because I think. Maybe we're lulled into like, oh, like Orlando's a good place because we have all these, you know, crew and Wycliffe and, um, you know, all these other ministries that are just kind of headquartered here. But the, the spiritual state of our city is very, very bad. Um, not only is it bad, I mean, it's like one of the, you know, it's the worst in the southeast and one of the worst in the, in the whole country. And so I don't know if we're operating as a local body. At, at the kind of level of urgency that we need to be, to be honest um, about the city that we live in and kind of the, the spiritual status of the people who are around us. So I think well, there's plenty of fruit to be had, and I think that's the good news, but I think um, you know, one of my prayers is that we would be increasingly seeing people respond to the gospel who are just regular folks, who are um, the people who are already in our lives on a day-to-day basis, maybe their coworkers, neighbors, you know, people that we just, just naturally, we spend time with. I want to see those people respond to Jesus because I'm convinced that um, that God has more sheep, you know, like in John 10, who have just yet to hear His voice, and that He has put these people in our lives so that we can, um, you know, tell them, you know, this amazing story that we have, um, this story of redemption. So for me, that's the number one prayer that I have for our church. Um, in 2019, that we would be growing um, as individually and growing corporately. And what does it look like for us to engage in a city that's increasingly post post Christian, where Orlando looks a lot more like Manhattan than it does Birmingham or Gainesville or Tallahassee? Anna. So what you just said and how you may not be aware of that, those were some really sobering. So, yeah, so on your um, on your 2019 goals, one of the things that Jim and I have been working behind the scenes on, and we're, we're only like maybe a twelfth of the way there in terms of our writing, but we're going to be doing some writing on the history of Orlando and kind of weaving some of like, how did we, where are we today, how did we get here, what are some of the main storylines and plot lines, because um, about 50% of you didn't live in Orlando five years ago. And so, you know, that means that we have to constantly help people who are new to our city understand what is the context that I'm coming, that I'm coming into. And so that's why we want to do some of that writing. But give us a couple months because we have some other things that, you know, that we need to do organizationally. Um, but we do want to do some writing to help, um, to help us understand. A foundational principle for us is you cannot minister to a context that you do not understand, yeah. right? And so we want you guys to help help you understand better the context that we live in and so that we can more meaningfully engage and connect with that. So, Michelle. Yes. Yes is the answer. We're we're having conversations about that now, and of course, with you know, Will just took a sabbatical, and so we're we feel it. Um, God bless Chuck Mitchell. I don't I don't know if if uh, so. We have had a lot. You can give him a round of applause. We, we, we have a lot of major health issues in our church right now. Uh, for whatever reason, they seem to fall into Chuck's community group. So I don't know if that means you want to be in this community group or you don't want to be in this community group. But he has, he has done the deed and loved his people well. And, but, but that's not a pace we can run. Uh, we, we just can't. We, we're, going, we're having conversations about what that looks like. A process that's new to me here, too, so I'm learning 
um, as, we, as we walk through it. All right, Chuck. How can we pray for two pastors? Pray for us. I, 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 I mean, fruitful, faithful and fruitful. I mean, that would, that, those, are, those are the two things that come to my mind, that I, we would remain faithful, that we would be fruitful, that we would... There's lots of ways you can expand faithful. Faithful to the church, faithful to God in our walk with the Lord, faithful to our families. Um, Angela has, a few years ago, she, she said, Jim... I love the way that you want to say yes to everybody, but every every yes is a no somewhere else, and that's often a no to us. And so, just just trying to think through how do we um, be faithful to all the callings in our life with the limited amount of time that we have. Sorry, the other mics um, giving me problems. Uh, sleep. I need sleep. I'm really tired. These two kids are killing me. Um, I'm not kidding. I'm totally serious. I, I need prayer for sleep. Um, yeah, and you know, above and beyond everything that uh, that Jim said, you know, we just want to be. We want to steward our um, all, our time, our resources, all those things, and maximize as much as what we can. What, what God has called us to, because we want to be, we all want to be believer priests, and we want to be workmen approved, and so, um, and, and sell our house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, um, I think that's it. Is was there any no no final burning question, Andy? Can I just give a homework challenge for all the families with kids? Jim mentioned this already, but just right now to pick out one or two families that you're, you know and be praying for them now uh, that they would come with your kids to Grace Campus. That's a great, did everybody hear that challenge? So the challenge is to tonight, with your kids, identify families in your life who you want to invite and be praying for, um, that they would come to Grace Camp and that, it, that, that God really would use either the Grace Camp or just relationally that opportunity between you and that family. Um, identify them, pray with your kids, and, and see what God would have happen. All right, with that said, um, before I close this in prayer, I just have a couple um, just instructions as we close, um, close things down. Um, if you would, just kind of you know, uh, clean your own tables, um, grab some leftovers, um, and the persons want me to say, don't forget to take your dish. So there's always like so many dishes every time that people leave. Um, and then if you would help set the room back up to where it needs to be for um, both stuff that's happening midweek and for next week. And Rick Combs, Rick, raise your hand. Um, Rick will be air traffic controlling all of that in the event that you don't know um, what to do. So he'll give you some instructions if you're able to help. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close some prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that, um, that you loved your church so much that you sent your son to go and die for her, to redeem her. Um, Lord, we are so grateful that you have um, paid such a great price to adopt us into your family. And Lord, we love you so much. Um, as Jim preached this morning, help us to be um, one church family, one body, unified, um, in peace, under Christ. We love you. We need you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome.